All right, we've reached the last mission of the Masechta, Shabbos Perk Chav Dalad Mishnehei 24.5, and we're going to learn a few different leniencies that apply to things that might be us otherwise Midurabanan, but they're permitted because of mitzvah purposes. So the first case is Mefirin Nedarim B'Shabbos. One can be Mefir, that is to annul a vow on Shabbos. You'll recall that there's two ways in which vows can be undone. One is called hafara and one is called hatara. We're going to discuss both in this Mishnah. So hafara applies to the annulment of a vow that's made by one's daughter or one's wife. And if it's one's wife, so such a vow is only eligible for hafara, mayfarin, in other words, in a scenario where the wife has taken on some kind of net or some obligation which will interfere in some way with her relationship with her husband. When it comes to the hafara of one's daughter, we're talking about a girl who's at least 11 years old because younger than 11 years old is too young to make nadarm. And she is no older than 12 and a half because after 12 and a half, a father's not entitled to be made for his daughter's nadarm. But in that window, between 11 and, 11 and, a half, 11 and 12 and a half, excuse me, um, a father can annul his daughter's vows in the event that she takes on some kind of vow, which is a form of... of um, self-abnegation or self-mortification, she's denying something to herself, the father can be Mayfair and annul it. In both those cases, the hafara of a wife or a daughter, the vow can only be annulled on the day that the father or husband hears that the vow was made. So that means if he hears the vow was made on Shabbos, so then he is not going to be able to wait till after Shabbos to annul it. Because once Shabbos is over, three stars come out, Shabbos is gone, and so too is the window to annul the vow closed. And therefore, in all events, if the father or husband, where he's entitled to do so, would like to annul a vow, he may and frankly must do it on Shabbos when he first hears about it. Secondly, v'nish'alen ledevarim shehen tzorech Shabbos. This is referring to hataras nadarim, the also releasing of a vow that applies to anybody, there's a man or a woman, who seeks out a chacham who, or a bezdin to, again, to annul the vow they made. There's a slight difference in the nature of the annulment between a hatar and a fara, but I'm not discussing that now. But in general, I'll translate them both as annulment. What's happening is you request of the chacham or the bezdin to be matir the nether, neder, to release one of the, one from that neder, that, that vow. And that's done by way of the chacham finding what's called a pesach, a window to annul by finding some angle that the person who made the neder didn't consider at the time that he made the neder. And since now it's come to light that if he would have considered it, he wouldn't have made the neder. So therefore we now say the neder was made in um, betaut as a as an accident, incorrectly, and therefore it's a way to to um, annul it. So that's called She'elas Chacham, or Hataras Nadarm, it's the same thing, essentially. And we're saying here, V'nish'al Nadavarm, She'hen Chashabas, in the event we're talking about some kind of neder, that we're trying to be moderate on Shabbos because it affects some Shabbos activity. So then, meaning that the person took the neder not to eat meat or something, and now he wants to eat on Shabbos, let's say. So in such a scenario... And in only such a scenario where it's a Shabbos neder that needs to be released on Shabbos, then we will allow the hatara to happen. Um, meaning, midurabanan, one may not normally do hatara sadarim because it, it looks like the convening of a bezdin, which is 
essentially inappropriate and therefore disallowed on Shabbos under normal circumstances. Okay? But again, for a mitzvah, for some mitzvah purpose of the Hatara, we're allowed to do it. Now the mission goes on to a new point here. We say, Pokakin, one could stuff up as a ma'or, a, uh, I'll call it translated as a window, or uh, a window I'll translate that as. Now ma'or literally means like a, a light source. In the time of the Mishnah, they didn't use glass typically, um, like glass panes in their windows or in their skylights, but they might have an open hole in the roof or in the wall um, to let light and fresh air in. And therefore, um, when you want to close it up, you put some kind of shutter in to block the hole. If you recall back um, to the 17th parak of the Masechta, we had a machlokas there. If one could um, shutter up a hole with a shutter that wasn't attached to the wall because it um, it resembles or might constitute binyan, construction. Um, this Mishnah here ostensibly is going like the Chacham over there in the 17th parak, meaning that one is, yes, allowed to block up a hole um, on shops. And that's what we're saying over here. Ostensibly, uh, the Rambam is learning for what it's worth. You'll see why later on. We're talking about a scenario where you're blocking up the hole with a utensil, which is not usually used as a, as a window shutter. And according to that picture, says the Rambam, even Rabbi Ezer, who disagreed in the 17th parak, would agree over here that if you're using some kind of, you know, a, a bucket or a bottle or something to block up the hole, that would be permitted. We're going to see in a moment. Yeah, fine. Umodin esa matlis esa mikvah. One is permitted to measure a rag, a garment, matlas, or a mikvah. You know what a mikvah is, a ritual bath. Um, again, we're saying, talking for mitzvah purposes. Normally we say that measuring is disallowed on, on Shabbos. It's like it's like a week activity. But if we're talking for some mitzvah purpose, it becomes permitted. And the mitzvah purpose here is we need to figure out if this this uh, matlas, this rag, <clears throat> is too much susceptible um, or not. And similarly, the mikvah, we don't know if the mikvah is able to relieve something of its tuma or not for some mitzvah reasons, keeping track of whatever it is, tumatara. That's when it's permitted. When it comes to a matlis, a rag, the rule is that um, garments, rags, need to have, fabric needs to have a certain size to be able to receive tuma. If the rag is made out of a wool or linen, we're talking about three etzbaos, whatever the technology is beyond this. But the point is you need to know, is this thing three etzbaos or is it smaller than that? So if it's three etzbaos, if it's wool or linen, then it receives tuma, and we need to know that's so we're measuring it on Shabbos. And same goes with the mikvah. The mikvah is only functional and effective if it has 40 sa'ah of water. That's what we have to measure now to find out if the mikvah indeed is you know full enough and has enough liquid to work as a mikvah. Now, the final part of the Mishnah here is going to tell us a story. And the story, it says, aviv shel There's a story that happened in the days of the father of Tzadok and Abba Shaul ben Bitness, and these two were people who would make sure things were done right, and those days things were done right, and you see there's, certain, there's a certain arrangement that happened. What happened was <clears throat> you had two homes that were very close one to the other. In one of the homes, there is a person on the brink of death. And between the two homes, there was a, a window <clears throat> that could connect the two. Now, actually, the truth is the home's weren't directly connected. There was a space between the walls, um, but there were there was an overhang, and there's something over overhanging, functioning as an ohel, overhanging the windows between the two homes. So normally, um, tuma kind of fills up a room and will go out any tefach square window to the next room over if 
they're connected. And an overhang in Ohel would allow for a conduit to Tuma to go from one home to another home. If we're talking about the Tuma that tra- transfers by Ohel, we're talking now that's only exclusively the Tuma of a corpse, Tuma's a mace. So again, the concern is that the neighbor who didn't have a corpse in his home was concerned that the other neighbor who had a soon-to-be corpse in their home would have their mace die. And at that point, the Tuma would not just fill up the one home, but transfer through the window to the second home. So this, the neighbors who didn't want Tuma in their house blocked up their window in a way that would not allow Tuma to come inside. Now, for a utensil to block up a window and to be then resistant to Tuma spreading, it needs to be that the utensil is impervious to Tuma. And while most utensils are certainly not impervious to Tuma, an earthenware vessel, a klicheres, only can become Tame if it gets exposed to Tuma from its toch, from its inside. But its exterior, the outside, is impervious to Tuma. So what happens is, we're going to take like a jug over here, and we're going to take the jug where the mouth of the jug is facing towards the home that there is no corpse, and the bottom outside of the jug is facing outwards towards the other home where there was the soon-to-be corpse. And the idea being that since then you blocked up the hole, and since the thing that's blocking the hole from the corpse side is Tuma impervious because it's a earthenware utensil and it's the exterior, it would block the Tuma from coming in. So that's going to be a case of blocking up a hole, a poke again. And then the second part of the Mishnah is going to be where you removed, they wanted to remove the block. They wanted to take that little, you know, the pitcher out of the hole in the wall. The concern would then be that the tomb would then flow from the home with the corpse to the home without a corpse because of the overhang. But the overhang happened to be a barrel which was split down the middle. And since it was split down the middle, the barrel would not be functional as a ohel, as an overhang, which would be a conduit for Tuma, unless the gap in the between the two halves of the barrel were less than a tefach. A hand's breadth. If the gap is less than a tefach, it's like as if it's connected and tumma will flow from one to the other. If the broken barrel overhead, which is like the bridge, the tumma bridge, if you will, connecting the two homes, is split down the middle and the two halves are more than a tefach apart, so then tumma would not be able to transfer from one home to the other home. So how could they tell if the broken barrel on the roof high up is split more than a tefach apart? So it's hard to tell. So what did they do? They took uh, like a cup, and the cup was exactly tefach across. And they tied the cup to a stick. And then they lifted the stick up, and they see that they tested to see if they could pass the cup through the hole in the gap between the two halves of the barrel. And if they could, then that would mean that the barrel was more than a tefach, the two halves were more than a tefach apart. If they couldn't, then of course it means the two halves of the barrel are less than a tefach apart. So the point here is we're doing two things in that, moment, A, we're tying the cup to the stick and in normal circumstances kshira tying is forbidden so the simple shot here we're saying is we're tying in a way that totally um, not a kesha shal it has no longevity to this knot that's going to come up immediately come off immediately and one would leave it this way anyways because he's using like a this the would-be string that he used is like a reed used for animal fodder and certainly not anything that's permanent in terms of the knotting so that it's just a very temporarily attached cup to the stick, which is going to be permit, permitted, either because it's totally temporary and it's not through the mitzvah, or according to Rambam, this might have been otherwise forbidden durabanan, but it's being permitted because it's for the sake of a mitzvah. That's a machlokas on the shot here, but either way, we're tying the cup onto the stick in a temporary way, and then we are doing measuring again. We're being molded, like we said in the first part of the mission, we're measuring the 
span of the two half broken two halves of the broken barrel so and we're saying that's permitted for the sake of a mitzvah so this is the story which shows us that the first cases in the mishnah are indeed true that one may block up a hole and one may measure and may one may perhaps tie for the sake of a mitzvah word otherwise it'd be asr mitzvah and the mishnah says inside umasa it happened be may aviv shel the one neighbor blocked up his window with a earthenware pitcher, as it described, with the mouth towards his home, inwards in the outside bottom of the pitcher towards the other home where the corpse was soon to be. And then the kashu makeda begemi, and they also tied on this makeda, this earthenware cup with a geni, with a reed, a temporary reed, onto the stick. Excuse me. To determine whether or not the break in the two halves of the barrel was a full tefach across or not. And from the fact that they allowed this to happen, that this went on and there was everyone was okay with it being done, we learn that indeed Shepokakin, one can block up the wall of a home. Again, according to the Rambam, the point here is that we're doing it for the sake of a mitzvah, and that's why it's permitted even according to Rebbe because you're using the, well, you're not using a normal thing to block, but you're doing it for a mitzvah. Umodden, you can measure for the sake of a mitzvah, where normally measuring is forbidden because it's uvn dechol, and v'koshren b'shabbos, sorry, v'koshren, and you can also tie, again, according to many, like the Bartonura makes no mention of this tying, we're talking about a tying that is would be permitted under all circumstances, not just for a mitzvah circumstance, because it's tying in a way that's not meant to last. According to the Rambam, it's tying in a way that would be asr mitzvah but it's being permitted for the sake of a mitzvah purpose. You can do all those things, or at least two of those things, b'shabbos, on Shabbos, for the sake of a mitzvah. And with that, salik mesechas brachas, we finish mesechas brachas, be'ez Hashem, and now, after you finish celebrating, having learned that very long mesechta, you will, be'ez Hashem, begin next Masechus Erevin. Yashukarach to everybody who participated.